The month of February has been dubbed Boost Self-Esteem Month, and I don't think the idea is to look at self-esteem in this month alone. It's more along the lines of raising awareness so people can pause and focus on how they feel about themselves, maybe take inventory, and address what needs to be addressed. This is what I'll be doing today. I'll share with you some tips that you can use to begin changing how you think about and see yourself because in case you never got the message or in case you forgot, my sister, you are dearly loved. You're a dearly loved daughter of God filled with value, worth, and purpose. Hey, sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast. Do you want to overcome the wounds and impacts of childhood trauma that are holding you back in life? Do you want to get unstuck, begin thriving, and confidently living God's best in all areas? I'm Jenny L, a certified clinical trauma specialist, life coach, trauma thriver, and most of all, a daughter of God living loved and on purpose. In this podcast, I'll share trauma education, healing strategies along with biblical applications and motivational stories to support you in your journey toward trauma healing and thriving. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's begin. At some point or the other, I think most people struggle to understand and know who they are. A part of growing up is stepping into our identity and understanding who God created us to be and how we are to show up in this world. The healthy way to get to this point, which I think is an ongoing issue because we continue to learn, grow, understand ourselves and develop throughout our lives. And the healthy way to get to this starts with when we're in childhood, because as children, we look to the adults in our lives to help us and to guide us so we can know and grow into ourselves and God's purpose. Unfortunately, sometimes caregivers or adults do not have this experience themselves. And as you know, people cannot give what they do not have. So it is difficult to help children come into their own if the adults themselves are always or also struggling with their identity or with their own healing. I see a lot of times that adult carers, they don't understand themselves or even their attachment styles. Or perhaps they know their attachment style, but it's different to that of their child's and they don't know how to deal. So the care and the support that they should be given to the child to help them grow and develop isn't there because there is just this clash between attachment styles. Another scenario is when adult caregivers have unregulated nervous systems because of their own unaddressed trauma and emotional wounds. So they barely have the capacity to manage themselves, much less to help steward a little kid. A lot of adults grow up with their wounded inner child who has yet to be healed. And that inner child shows up in the adult like jealousy, for example, because parents or caregivers can be jealous of their children's gifting and talents. And the adults do not encourage or foster that space for the child to grow into their own or learn who they are. Whatever the reason, there are many different reasons why kids may be told they're not worth it or if they show the caregiver or parent something that they've done, looking for the approval as any little child would, sometimes the parent may respond by saying things like, oh, quit showing off or go find something else to do. 
there is no validation or appreciation and the child begins to see and learn that who they are and their talents, their gifting and what they do is not important. It's not treated with care or with value. As a result of all these interactions, you find children growing up without understanding their worth. They grow into adults with low self-esteem. And then these adults are expected to live in a world where being seen as confident and knowing who they are is highly rewarded. And most people, just to make it through, end up wearing masks that hide the pain, the insecurity, uncertainty and doubt about who they are and how they feel about themselves. To make it through, they become good at performing outwardly because if the world sees that they are, they have a good career or a seemingly good marriage, they have a business or lots of money, then no one will know that they're struggling on the inside, except you will know. And God always knows. The external masks and affirmations will only cover up the wounds for so long before you either need to up the ante and go bigger or you crash and end up in a heap of despair and disappointment. It really is heartbreaking that this is what happens to many children. And I am not here to blame parents and caregivers, or even if you recognize some of these things in yourself and you are struggling as a parent or a caregiver and you don't have the capacity to steward your child's gift. This is not about judgment. It's a space for awareness, for learning and for mercy. So let's all take a deep breath. And let's breathe in the grace of God that can heal any wound and redeem any situation because God is a master of turning ashes into beauty. I am not a stranger to low self-esteem. I struggled with it for many years. I was bullied in school for being too smart. I got societal messages like women don't know how to drive. I heard so much about what women can or should not do. Even in the church at the time when I was growing up, there was not a lot of female representation in the leadership roles. Sure, I saw women as deaconesses or part of the community services team, and it seemed like what the women did was a supporting role for the men who were in leadership position. As an early teen and even into my early adulthood, there were many days when I wondered, what's the point of me even being here? And when I was younger, I would question, did God make a mistake? I was not suicidal, but somehow I had this fight in me to see if I could figure out what this life was all about. What could it be about? But for a while, I just could not understand, much less see what I was supposed to do. And because this started when I was younger, it stayed with me for a while. Another thing is that being a person of color, I didn't really feel my blackness until I moved to the UK and then North America. Still, I am aware that many of you feel and experience the microaggressions of being a person of color. You felt that from the day you were born, and that impacts what you think and feel about yourself. Even if you don't think it is affecting you, that extra layer of hypervigilance that people of color have to use as part of everyday life just to feel safe or not misunderstood, that physically affects the body and the nervous system. Depending on the age when you grew up or where you grew up, you may not have seen people like you on TV, in high office, or even in the church. You grew up seeing some types of people referred to as beautiful, but not others. 
All of these things that I'm mentioning here impacts our view of ourselves and life in general. So what do you do when you live in a world with all these messages that do not support your formation as who God wants you to be? Well, we can look at developing healthy self-esteem. First, let's talk about what self-esteem is not. Self-esteem is not selfish or self-centered. It's not based on what you do or how you behave. It is not an overinflated opinion of oneself. It is certainly not grounded in affirmation, praise, or applause because we know that it's not based on page or photo likes, whether you are the talk of a conversation or if people work for you. It's not based on the amount of money you have. Can you see that the theme here is a grounding in the actions or responses of other people to material factors? And all of these things are unpredictable. They're um, fleeting and they're momentary. I know that I use the word self-esteem and I use that because this is what most people identify with. The fact is though that self-esteem is not even based in self. At least from the Christian perspective, it's not meant to be based on self. I like to replace the concept of self-esteem with the idea of worth and value. And to understand your worth and value, you have to look to the one who created you. I'm sorry if I'm bursting anybody's bubble, but nothing you do or have comes from you. You are the steward or caretaker of the time, resources, gifts, and even the personality that God has given you. As a Christian woman of color, you have to come to terms with who you are and more so whose you are. Going right back to Genesis 1, we know that everything God made was good. And this includes you because you were made in the image of God. It is the God in you that produces anything good that comes from you. When Jesus was here on earth, John 13, 12 to 17 tells us that Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he was on this earth because he communicated with his father. He drew strength from him. He was filled by the Holy Spirit and that gave him the purpose and the strength for his mission. In fact, Jesus was so confident in who he was, he could be a humble servant. He could talk boldly about his father and the mission because he knew him intimately. John 5.19 tells us that he came into this life to do the will of his father and not his own. So nothing in there we see is based on self-promotion or self-agenda. From a psychological perspective, the term self-esteem or knowing who you are, knowing your value, essentially knowing your worth, all of this can help avoid depression. It will increase your confidence, impacting how you show up in life and in social circles. It helps you form deeper, lasting, more authentic interpersonal relationships, which is vital for continued healing and growth. But most of all, knowing your value and your worth and whose you are, it brings you into agreement with who God says you are and God's opinion of you trumps that of your family, friends, co-workers, and your acquaintances. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people's opinions do not matter. What I am saying is that if what people say to or about you does not line up with what God says or thinks about you, trust God's words and trust God over anyone else. Now, let's look at the strategies or tips. 
first things first, from today onward, I would invite you to make a conscious effort to stop comparing yourself to other people. Comparison is a joy killer. I know you know this, and I'm still going to mention it because knowing something and implementing it are two different things. Whenever I saw thoughts of comparison coming up, I've learned to speak reality to the thought. For example, I may say something like, Lisa is Lisa, and she has been blessed with wonderful gifts, possessions, or whatever the comparison category is. She is blessed with these things by the same God who blesses me. And I know Psalms 84, 11 tells me that God is the one who gives us grace and glory, and he will not withhold any good thing from those who do what is right. When I say the scripture, I then shift my focus to the God who is the one who gives all the gifts. And I praise him for being generous and wise enough to bless people as he sees fit. Then I also remind myself that God does not run out of blessings. There is enough to go around. You do not stop comparing by one-upping the other person, like saying, she has X, but at least I have Y. That is just comparison in different clothes. And the moment you can't find something to say, but at least I have, that's when the joy disappears. Your next tip or task is to get to know God as he sees you. I said this in an earlier podcast episode, and I'll mention it here again. One of my favorite books to understand about identity and what God says about me is the book of Ephesians. And I encourage you to try studying this book inductively. Get a friend involved and make notes on what God says about you. And as you make notes from what you learn in the passage, prayerfully ask God to bring his words to life in your heart and to give you a deep understanding of what he really feels about you and who you are in Christ. I can't stress enough the importance of understanding who you are based on what God says, because the world has so many messages that can trip us up, but we have to go back to source, our creator. Then the third tip is to get comfortable with imperfections. You know you're not perfect, right? None of us are. But the enemy loves to throw our mistakes and what seems like imperfections in our faces day after day on repeat. When this happens, we have to be ready for him with the thus saith the Lord. When he comes at you with those accusations, then pull out your ammunition, your scriptural ammunition. I like Psalms 139, 13 to 14 as a starting point. And I say it out loud, I paraphrase it. God created my innermost being. God knitted me together in my mother's womb and I praise God, my creator, because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. God's works are wonderful and I know that fully well. You can go through the Bible and combine or compile your own list of scriptures and have them ready and at hand for when those thoughts come into your mind. The last tip I want to give and I We'll continue to repeat this over and over because I come across a lot of Christian women who just don't understand what it means to care for themselves. They think it's selfish. Well, Romans 14, 8 says, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. When I hear the scripture, this to me is a blessing that I belong to God. 
It also comes with a responsibility on our part. It means that we get to care for ourselves in a way that honors God, the one who made us. This may all sound simple, right? But I want you to move from beyond hearing to taking action. When I began actively working on my mindset and self-esteem, it took quite a few years of consistent work. Sometimes I would get tired of doing the activities and I would need to take a break and switch to something else for a while and then start again. The good thing is when you put in the work, you are laying a foundation for change. And unless you refer to old patterns of thinking, you will develop new neural pathways, which will support building a healthier view of your yourself. As you consider looking at your self-esteem, your worth or your value, what do you need to support you to take action? What do you need to keep on going? Start by choosing the least daunting tip and commit to taking consistent action this month, depending on which one you choose. Don't try to go it alone. Commit your intentions to another trusted human being or your mental health provider so that you can have accountability and get support as you take step after step. For additional support, I invite you to join us in the Heal Childhood Trauma as Christian Women of Color Facebook community. You can also sign up to become a Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast Insider. The link is subscribepage.io forward slash STH podcast. You can always email me support at shadesoftraumahealing.com. I would love to hear from you. I like answering your questions and hearing your feedback. I've placed all the links for these in the show notes. So you can just go there, click and access whether you want the Facebook community to be an insider to get the weekly inspirational emails or if you want to communicate with me via email. So thank you for spending your time with me today. Blessings and love. I'll see you next week. Before you go, sister friend, did this podcast episode encourage, inspire, or teach you something new? If so, would you be so kind as to share it with another friend who needs help to overcome her childhood trauma? And don't forget to hop over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and a written review for the show. This way, the show can reach more sisters who need to hear it. Thank you for listening and know that I am cheering for your healing. I'll be back next week. So until then, take time to breathe and be blessed.